So today we're talking to uh, Violet in Australia, part of, um, are you part of Fireproof Australia or Blockade Australia? Or Fireproof Australia, both, both. Okay. I'm part of the climate movement. Yeah, climate resistance, I'm there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Violet's a conscientious objector um, to the, uh, the destruction of our planet. And we're really, really happy to be speaking with her today and find out what is going on in Australia. Um, so normally I like to start off Violet just talking about like what you were doing say two years ago because the, the whole point of this series is is investigating how we're just you know regular people <laughs> um, <laughs> who you know at some point had to step into resistance because things so why don't you tell us what you were doing before you stepped into resistance what was your normal ah. Well, that was four years ago now, coming up to, um, and uh, yeah, I am a philosopher, so I'm a school striker. I've got two units left of my philosophy degree, um, and I guess the trigger point was my like the capstone unit, the final unit that you do to uh, to say you're a philosopher. Um, I, I did it early and I, I did my essay on the need for civil resistance in the climate emergency and I got a high right. distinction. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, and then I thought, well, I guess I better go and do it then. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of other stories were happening. I'd bumped into Extinction Rebellion and done a heading for Extinction Talk and what to do about it. Um, and uh, I had spent a year um, sort of driving around the Australia itself and finding a lot of desertified arid country that used to be our um, food belt and was wondering what was happening with that. So, um, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a perfect storm. I think um, I never thought I would be an activist. Yeah. It wasn't on my radar as things to do. Um, I, uh, yeah, definitely wanted to um, be a philosopher and an artist. And in that way, I suppose I still am. It's just that my art, um, I'm really aiming for to be to be effective. Yeah. And, um, and I'm thoroughly convinced that we're at a time where civil resistance is the only effective solution um, to, to uh, revolutionizing the crisis that we face. Absolutely. And um, I, mean, I know that there's a lot of other parts of the movement that are very important, but those parts are um, are, you know, not as effective. That's what the, that's what the social science shows and um, that's what we're seeing. Uh, yeah, and so pe more people need to be stepping into their courage. And so I did that and it's been a wild four years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so why don't you tell us about your, so you've been arrested how many 26 times? times. 26 times. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, let's go back to the first one because that's always the most, you know, the most profound, I guess. What were you doing the first time? Ah, uh, well, um, as I said, I, I watched, I went to a Heading for Extinction and What to Do About It talk from Extinction Rebellion. And I understood the game was that we had to build a mass movement. And to do a build a mass movement, I had to be able to give, I wanted to be able to give the talk, the Heading for right. Extinction talk. 
And I didn't feel quite confident telling all these people that they should engage in civil resistance without having done it myself. Right. So um, I organized my first action um, at the uh, this um, right-wing think tank. And it was just a blockade of their front door and I spray-painted climate emergency on their steps. And um, But it was uh, it was... You know, we made all of the mistakes. We made right. all of the mistake and um, and learned heaps. And I think that's, you know, part of the good reason why I wanted to do it is to learn those mistakes and learn how hard it is and be able to tell people with confidence that we can survive it. I know Australia, um, part of the struggle, out, well, a huge part of the struggle out there is they have brought in some fairly draconian laws uh, can you say a little bit about that? Uh, when in your activism, um, in your actions, that th- those laws were brought in? And- yeah, so the climate movement's been gaining a lot of, climate resistance movement has been gaining a lot of momentum in the last couple of months as we've been coming out from COVID. And um, that culminated in uh, Fireproof Australia doing seven weeks of disruptive actions in the city. Um, We blocked roads uh, every week for seven weeks. And the last two weeks, it was uh, two weeks. There was uh, like four actions in the last two weeks each week. Um, and so, you know, in this time, we'd we'd caught the roads minister in our protest. We'd caught the mm-hmm. um, magistrates in our protests, and they were getting really annoyed. Um, and and in that annoyance, they fought back, and they fought back in a way that was actually really unconstitutional. So they've said that if anybody blocks a road or a footpath or infrastructure without police approval, then it's an illegal protest, except if you're a union. So the, oh. the, in the law, it says that, um, it, it says that, you know, basically environmental protesters can't have a voice, but unions can. Um, and it's, it's specifically targeted us that way. So, um, yeah, it, it was pretty heavily uh, Labour Liberal voted on. Um, Greens obviously pushed back. They tried to filibuster for days. The most annoying part of it really is that, you know, they spent two days debating this law change in our state government. Um, And they could have spent that time addressing the very reasonable demands that we had. (laughs) Of course they could have. But, uh, you know, the response to these laws, um, people haven't been shy. So straight after the laws came out, um, another group hit the streets, Blockade Australia in Sydney, and um, they have a fantastic philosophy as well and very worth looking into. And, um, and yeah, we're, we're absolutely brutalized. We had two people who spent weeks and weeks and weeks, actually I think about two months in prison. One of them was for having a drawing of a road in their notebook. The other was for picking up a bag of helmets. Yeah, um, we, had, uh, we had someone spend 40 days under 24 hour house arrest pre-trial. Wow. 
Um, what we saw is non-association conditions. So, um, and it's all very classical. Like, uh, you know, you read Nelson Mandela's biography or Martin Luther King's biography and, and the history of, of struggle. And, and the, the classic things that they do is they divide you and, um, and, and segregate you from your community. Yeah. And then, um, and, and, um, and then limit your freedom because those two things cause depression. And when people are depressed, they're not empowered and autonomous. But the secret is that this community has so much love in their hearts for the natural world and you can't keep us away from it. Yeah. And so it nourishes us. And, um, and, you know, we are a vast community. There's lots of people who support in the backgrounds who've never been, um, you know, identified as part of the movement. And so they, we act, they act like mycelium pumping through the, the um, nutrients to us all. And, and uh, so the community is strong, um, but it's, it's actually, you know, it's an interesting sign, these, these things, you know, because, you know, first they laugh at you, then you fight, mm-hmm. they, then they fight you, then you win, you know? So, yeah. um, um, well, the same things uh, are going on here. It's, it's um, people what's are going seeing, on there. Well, so in the time, so I was arrested last September with Extinction Rebellion. And since then, Sable Growth has started actions. And in September, when you're arrested, you just got a ride to the police station and then they'd meet you there and kind of like, and then most people were just getting let go if you even got taken to the police station at all. But now um, after uh several you know a, a bunch more actions our prosecutor um Elalino, who is in charge of of all of these protests of prosecuting is now quoting um is asking for general deterrence and so they're asking for remand and a few people have now been put on remand um for uh you know for you know i i think one fellow was he was on remand for two weeks um and the jails that the the, you know the the asks for jail sentences are going up and and so um you know we're we're, we have a fairly good legal solidarity group and we meet regularly and we do have um lawyers fighting back and we're we're investigating strategies to you know to fight back on this, we are seeing like it becoming illegal to protest <laughs> in front of our eyes. Why don't you tell me about um, the remand center? Because I was listening to you this morning. The remand center sounds horrible. Tell me about that experience. Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Sydney remand center. So first of all, uh, when I get in there, they like to re-remind me that I'm a number, not a name. They're like, do you know? Do you know your, your min number yet, your prison number? You better remember it because this is who you are now. You're definitely going to prison this time. And I just laugh at them, you what know. Had you, what had you done for that arrest? What were you arrested for for that arrest? Tell us what you uh, For that arrest, I blocked the Sydney Harbour Bridge, um, just one lane of it. I got on a truck with a firefighter and um, I set off a, a smoke emitter, emergency smoke emitter. Okay. Um, which is an important part of the story I'll get to later on in terms right. of my charges. But, yeah, so when you get in the remand centre, um, they, uh, uh, yeah, so they, they refuse to give me toilet paper. They refuse to feed me. I'm vegan, and I said I'm vegan because of my religious reasons. I'm a Buddhist, and um, I pledge to do no harm to animals killing and um, 
and they ref- so they refused to feed me three days. I went without food, and I said, "I've got rights. You have a, I have, a, have the right to be fed." And they said, "If you want rights, uh, don't commit crime." Yeah, and I'm, and I'm sure you know anybody listening to this and part of your network will see the huge problems with that, yeah. and we do have huge problems with that in our system, and and that's been acknowledged through. Um, we, we have colonization happen here and the indigenous people here are still suffering the genocide within our system through institutions like this Raman Centre who tell them that they don't have rights, they threaten them with sexual violence, they threaten me with sexual violence. Um, you know, they, uh, you know, and, and, and poor people as well. I had this young woman who was clearly from a lower part of society. She attempted to kill herself while in the remand center. And their response to that was to strip her naked, take her bed out of the room, take her blankets out of the room and, and leave the light on and say, okay, well, this is how you've got to sleep tonight because you can't be trusted. Now, you know, like this, this, the prison system in Australia is, um, is, uh, yeah, it's it's horrible. It's demonized. It's it's the people in there are, um, are broken and sad people running it to to cause this much cruelty to people. I feel really really sorry for them, and and we need to rescue those people out of those powers positions of power and get Absolutely. them some help. You think once you see what's going on and you come out and you're like, I mean, I guess it's like Plato's cave, right? You come out and like, do you know what's going on in there? And you're telling yeah. people. And because yeah. it's horrifying and you tell them and they're just like, oh, well, what are you going to do? You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah, I'm a philosopher. And, and you know, anybody who's got an interest in research, researching up the Stanford prison experiment, you know, mm-hmm. they know why prison guards end up with this kind of behavior. And there are things we can do to mitigate for it. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's a part of human nature, even if, if this is a repeatable thing that happens to guards in there. Uh, this, this sick state we've allowed our societies to get to where we know how destructive we're being to the planet and the people and the people's future, but we're not willing to do anything about it because, you know, the 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 powers at the top are going to hold on to that power no matter who gets destroyed, even if it's their, mm. their own children and grandchildren. <laughs> okay. Mm. So the remand center will, uh, uh, how long were you in there for? Uh, well, police in the police station for one day, remand center for two days. So th- mm. three days in total. And then I did 20, um, 21 days under 24 hour house arrest. Um, They charged me with uh, inappropriate, uh, unauthorized use of an explosive device Mm -hmm. for the emergency flare. Yeah, Um, we're getting that charge as well. You are? Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Um, Well, you know, um, I'm happy with that because I've got scientists who are willing to declare its emergency at my court case. Um, I was up there with a firefighter. Um, and, you know, we were asking asking to emergency services to have better equipment to deal with the blazing fires that we're expected to receive here again in Australia. And obviously right. my heart goes out to those people around the world who are currently suffering those fires. It's um, it's such a devastating uh, disaster and, and symptom of climate breakdown. And we really need to be preparing for it. You know, we need to be looking at how our systems are changing. I wholeheartedly believe that we have 
systems to rapidly cool the planet if we do imagine and um, um, uh, manage <laughs> to uh, implement an emergency speed transition and and really quickly I'm talking you know within the next year you know I have hope and I think that um, you know these repressive things that are happening that they're a sign that we are getting stronger and we have to yeah. expect more yeah. we have to expect and be prepared to fill the prisons um, because this social change that we need is not going to come about easily and to engage in it non-violently and to engage in with it open-heartedly you, you we just have to throw our bodies in front of this machine that is We'll, we'll kill us all if we don't don't trigger this emergency speed transition. And I'm I'm grateful and happy for my choices, even though, you know, 21 days under house arrest, 24-hour house arrest, and then um, only being allowed out into this public for, for five hours a day in the middle of the day. So I, I'm not allowed out in the public during peak hour traffic times <laughs> because I'm a danger to the community during peak hour traffic. We wouldn't want to interrupt um, people getting to and from work. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't disrupt the machine. Um, you know, the cars, you know, the roads used to be the commons. Do you, have you heard this story? No. So the, the, roads, the roads used to be the commons. And so when cars first came out, they'd be speeding down these, this area that was a commons that, you know, our children played on and we met to, to exchange goods and, um, and socialize. And then the cars were hitting people. And so the public were like rallying to get, make forced cars to have a speed limit. And instead, the car companies uh, lobbied to the government to um, make laws about jaywalking and then released all these ads being like only hillbillies hang out on the roads, the roads are for cars, and, and ran this massive campaign. But, wow. you know, the roads, the roads were the commons. That's, that's our place. That's our, they're our streets. Yeah. And we've let the car companies dominate it. And it's, you know... Um, I'm claiming it back in the name of, of uh, my conscientious subjection to the right. on the side of our planet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, okay, cool. So why did you get house arrest instead of prison? Do you know? Uh, um, I self-represented mm. and I begged for my life. Ah. Um, I really, I wanted to get out and, and I knew that I could do more from my house mm -hmm. than from a prison cell. Um, and, uh, and I felt, so I, I would normally just plead guilty straight away and all of that. Um, and I, and I self-represent often when I self-represent, I get no convictions and no penalties and stuff. I think it's a really powerful way to do it because you can talk about the emergency, you can talk about civil resistance, you can bring the whole situation to the table, whereas lawyers can't mm -hmm. um, traditionally. That's really um, interesting because we're going through that debate as well now as whether to, mm -hmm. um, whether to pay lawyers. And even that, you're injecting more money into, the, into this toxic system. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, the, those of us who have, who have the luxury of some time are um, considering that. So that's really valuable insight. Mm, yeah. And I think um, there's a lot, I'm, so, I'm starting to listen to like law podcasts and stuff and learning about jurisprudence, um, which is really interesting, which is, you know, even though 
magistrates are bound to f uphold the law, um, there is a, a caveat or a philosophy of like, um, you know, the law is meant to serve the common good. And so if there's a case where it's clearly not serving the common good, um, then jurisprudence prudence comes into play. So there you go. Have, see if that applies in Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, um, these, this is the value of sharing. <laughs> mm, totally. Um, yeah. Because like I said, this is, it, it's, it's a very similar, it's, it's a very similar path. This idea of, you know, we must deter people. We must deter the general public from protesting. And so we have to, if we up the fines and we up the, the, um, um, the sentences that we could do that. But I mean, history shows us that, you know, if, if people are acting because they have a moral imperative to act, <laughs> increasing mm -hmm. sentences make tends to make their resolve actually stronger over time. Totally, absolutely. Yeah. And um, you know, yeah, if there is a history to remember us, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Then we know what side we're on, you know, and yeah. um, uh, and and you. I often when I stand in front of a judge, you know, it can be very intimidating mm -hmm. to think um, I am being judged right now, but I, I just flip it and I say, actually, what you say now, you will be judged for. Absolutely. And you're going to make exactly. that choice right now with this verdict, right? So yeah. what side are you going, you know, what side are you going to, are you going to be on here? <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly yeah we have to be because imagine like in the, after the civil rights movement when you know people are going but their grand you know grand grandfather was sentencing um people who dare to sit at lunch counters you know <laughs> sending yeah. them to jail so what do you know do you really want your do you want your grandchildren going around telling their friends how ashamed they are of you <laughs> Yeah, we have um, a big responsibility, the great turning, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did you want to say anything about um, Andrew at all, about your boyfriend? Are you allowed to see him now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank goodness. I'd go crazy. No, but for, you know, 21 days I couldn't see him yeah. because I had association conditions with all of my community and um, he went to prison in that time. He had his birthday in prison. He was in prison for 17 days for a wow. football invasion. I, football. I know, for running, for interrupting a football game. Yeah. yeah. 17 days in prison for running onto the football field. What was the charge? No, uh, it was the, a bright, using a bright light flare. So we're lucky that they mischarged him because it wasn't a bright light flare. It was just a smoke emitter. Oh. And so um, we were, and, that, and then so the charges got dropped and then he was scot-free. So he's a free bird, which is lucky him, but um, obviously minute. he's... So he was in prison for 17 days before he was charged? He, no, he was charged. So he did right. what we do. He pled right. guilty straight away the day after in the court. And then the judge sentenced him to three months in prison and then he appealed. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Um, so if you don't plead guilty, will they keep you on remand then until your trial? Is that what's is that why people are um, guilty? Some, some are, some aren't. So two, these two boys who spent the two months in prison for having a drawing and carrying a bag, 
um, that was all held in remand, refused bail. Other people are giving re given really, really oppressive bail conditions. For example, you know, house arrests and um, police can check your phone at any time. You're not allowed to use encrypted messaging. Um, it's a, it's a, you get caught in a rock between a rock and a hard place. There's no easy way out when engaging with civil resistance against mm. the empire. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, that's what we agree to do. And we go into that knowing that that's what's going to happen and um, prepared to face those consequences. So what's next? What's coming up? You know, there's still Fireproof Australia and Blockade Australia are still organising and mobilising. Um, we've had a new government come in here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but they're still committing to engaging with fossil fuels. They're still giving billions of dollars in subsidies to fossil fuels. Um, we have um, 800 gas wells being built over the Great Artesian Basin which oh. is like a massive water supply for a majority of the eastern part of the country. Um, and so, uh, and they're going to build a pipeline from, from Sydney to the Pilliga, which is, you know, um, almost near Queensland to do it. And so we're going to stop that and we're going to stop subsidies to fossil fuels and we're going to do that through civil resistance, of course, because that's the only thing that works and, and it's the appropriate response to the emergency we face. Mm -hmm. You also said, I, I noticed that you said your environment minister is also still approving coal mines. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we still have coal mines coming in the works. We're still building a, the massive Adani mine up on the north of, um, northeast of Australia. And um, yeah, it's, uh, Australia is um, an extractivist country. Yeah. As it's and Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we have a big responsibility to um, stop that extraction. You know, yeah. we're the drug dealers, we're the drug dealers and you need to stop, stop the drug dealers. You know, it's users is not, a, you know, as, in, as interesting as a target. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, although, you know, uh, in saying that, maybe that's a bit um, misleading because I do think that uh, a quite a large percentage of emissions are, are produced by the top 10 wealthy companies or something. And so, you know, there's a, a lot to say about wealth distribution, redistribution and, and, um, and, yeah. well, and well, Canada, Canada is number one per capita fossil fuel use. Oh, yeah. 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 So I think we're three, you know, I, you know, how do you approach people and, and say, you know, consume less in, in a world where up until yeah. this point, everybody has been taught that, that being a good consumer yeah. um, is, is part of being a good person. And, and this is where my philosophy degree really comes into it is like we, we need ways to redefine to people what being a good person is mm -hmm. and it's not accumulating wealth and it's not consuming. Yeah. And it's not taking your family to Hawaii every winter <laughs> No, <laughs> because we all need a break from our, from our jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like it's, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, it's, there's the personal, you know, becoming personally responsible, but mm. it just doesn't see like, you know, we saw during COVID how easy it is to transform a society quickly. Um, 
and so I fully believe it can be done, but we need our, we need our leaders to, <laughs> to do something rather than Absolutely. expanding. I mean, I can't believe we're still expanding. We're supposed to be contracting. Yeah, degrowth is really important. Yeah, and that's a, a big important part of the solution. And yeah, people are still building more airports and and building new roads and um and uh but but you know it's easy to sort of get caught up in that stuff and and um not appreciate and celebrate the the changes that are happening. Right. I think that there we are hitting a, a tipping point of awareness. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, historically, if 25% of people are actively engaged in a particular issue, um, then the rest of the population just follow. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, three, I know there's the Erica Chenoweth 3.5 engaged in civil resistance, but 25% actually engaged in, in the issue or believe it, then everybody else just goes, oh, well, I guess this is where we are now and follows along sheepishly. And, yeah. and they don't care because they're just wrapped in their own lives. They'll do whatever society doing it's just they right. just go with the flow so they can make their music or build their tables or whatever is their passion yeah. and um and so you know that gives me hope i think that we're still within target to be able to do that tips for um entertaining oneself in jail if one does find oneself in jail what <laughs> what did you do in jail to amuse yourself uh, I played a lot of solitaire, really, and they gave, um, I, they gave me a deck of cards. Oh. And, um, later, when I was put in general pop, because I've I've spent uh, I've been to prison three times actually right. um, for the climate emergency, and um, and yeah, they gave me cards, and then when you get into general population, they give you you get at the computer and you you get to uh, uh, play the cards on the computer. Oh, um, you know, I like to, I like to listen to the women's stories um, and hear their perspective of the system and um, and connect and and um, yoga, meditation, you know, like right. all of those things. Um, it can be a place where um, you can have a bit of a tech detox. Mm -hmm. um, you know, prison, no one wants to go to prison. Right. No one wants to go to prison. You know, you don't wake up one day and go, I want to go to prison today. Um, but what you do is realize the necessity of the struggle mm -hmm. and the consequence. Yeah. And, um, it, and within that, um, honor yourself and, and uh, your um, that your strength and, um, and try and, and, um, do that with as much grace as possible. Absolutely. And, um, and yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of ways that you can take advantage of that time as best you can. Uh, but you know, the system is against you here. We've had people be beaten up in prison. Some of our activists have, have experienced violence in prison and things and, um, it's true, it's dangerous, but uh, it's dangerous not to act. Exactly. It's much more dangerous not to act. The, the odds are against you if you don't act. Right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, I would love to express gratitude for what you're doing out there um, and, you know, all the people out in Australia. It's, 
I'm loving looking at the trees behind you. <laughs> yeah, I'm out on a wallaby sanctuary now. Um, but wow. yeah, I also really, really um, want to express gratitude to everything that's been going on in your part of the world. I have been keeping up at, up to date with the, um, you know, the campaigns that are going on. And one of the things that makes us so strong is our, our global community and, and inspiration. Yeah. So thank you and, oh. and thank everybody listening okay. for yeah. communicating. Thank you and send anybody else my way if they want to tell their story. I think the more stories, you know, what I'm trying to do with this is just, you know, normalize this process of, um, you know, being arrested and, and standing up for standing up for what's morally right. And if mm. that means having to go to prison at some point, that's, you know, um, that's what has to happen and good, good people, really good people are doing it all over the world. So that's, uh, very inspiring. Right. You are 100% correct. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Violet. It was lovely to talk to you and, and good luck with the rest of your, like, sort of your modified house arrest. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm out here planting trees. Oh, so great. Good. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you and best of luck. Same to you. Bye. Okay. Bye. You never know that you